Welcome everyone. Uh, this is the Mission Elite Podcast. My name is Yvonne Radomirovich. With me, I have Raheel Manji. Um, this is something we've talked about for quite some time now, starting a podcast. And so this is episode one. I'm very excited. Uh, we talk all the time yeah. off camera about so many different things. So it's nice to uh, put it in there. Put it in there and talk to the people about, you know, the interesting stuff we talk about. Um, so many different things I think we're going to discuss today. Um, I'm excited. Any, any thoughts from you about, about yeah, this I think, whole thing? I think it's exciting to kind of just show our, our mindset, our, our vision, and our blueprint behind Mission Lead and, and bring it into some of the conversations that would come about at all. And, and how, do, how did we make the vision of Mission Lead through our thought process and being able to share our mindsets on it? So it's kind of, it's kind of uh, I feel like it's going to be refreshing, it's going to be flavorful, and it's going to be great. 100%. We're going to have a lot of storytelling and, yeah. and a lot of different topics. Um, do you want to start it off? You want me to start flying away? Uh, start flying away, you know. All this right. Is your well, show. well, you know, you've been on a tour and you've played professionally, um, and I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of professional athletes as well. Um, what are some things you think that separate elite athletes for from great or average athletes? Well, I think an elite athlete uh, really encompasses the whole picture. So when we talk about a good athlete or a great athlete, there's levels to it. When we talk about elite, it's really the complete package, which is kind of what's in our blueprint. So there's a difference between a great athlete and an elite. An elite obviously has incredible skill set, but it really has the mentalities to create that skill set, which is something that I feel like we're looking for. So if you look, if you if you ever see the blueprint, obviously you know of Mission Elite. There's layers and categories, so there's the area of intelligence, competence, toughness, you know, and, and all these things plus character have to come together then to create what we call the Mission Elite. So the Mission Elite really is the elite athlete, and it's pretty much they have the full package. And you don't really see that until the very best in the world, like Nadal, for example. I mean, he's got great courage, he's got a great mentality, but then he's got a great skill set. His forehand is one of the deadliest weapons out there. He's developed his serve. So it's skill set plus mindset um, plus outlook plus courage plus physicality. So it's pretty much everything. Everything, right. right. And you can be a great athlete with three of the four, but to be elite, it takes the full package. I mean, you've got to be the best in the world. And touch more on off-court things that that you notice in, in some of these elite players' repertoires where... Um, you know, you look at them off court and they're doing things that you don't see almost everybody doing. And especially at these tournaments, I feel like, um, you know, these challenger events or these masters 1000s, um, you get to see them on their off time. And by off time, I mean, when they're not competing specifically, is there stuff that you see Mm -hmm. when you're around tournament grounds that, that you're like, wow, like this is why these guys are here and those guys aren't. First of all, um, you know, especially in tennis, it's funny, but to get to a certain level, and I would say that level is probably top 300, they're all obsessed. And so, like, that's the baseline. Like, we talk about hard workers as a baseline. Like, the hard work isn't the X factor, it's the baseline. At that, at that next, like, top 300 players in the world, the, I would say that the, 
the uh, obsession is the baseline. They're all obsessed because they wouldn't have given their childhoods to this. They wouldn't be yeah. giving their greatest years to this. Um, but then it's obsession plus who's doing this most effectively. So I guess you can't just be obsessed and you can't just be a hard worker. You've got to be creative. You've got to be smart. You've got to be courageous and you've got to execute. So what we try to control obviously is what we can control, which are the intangibles. Um, you can control some extent to physicality, um, harder to control height, but you also, whatever you can control within that you do. So as a kid, you're so obsessed with a mission, you're trying to maximize your height. That's 10 hours of sleep every night. You know, for some people, they believe in drinking milk. I mean, like literally whatever you can control, like every inch. And, and, and then on top of that, even more, because you're finding things you, that you can control that that aren't obvious to other people. So when you're able to execute in ways that aren't obvious to other people, that's what really separates guys and from their baselines, hard workers and, obs and obsessive ones. They can separate themselves from even those guys uh, by having that little X factor in there. Yeah, and, and we see it when we were together for a bit on a couple of tournaments there. Some of those guys, they're just completely dialed in. You try to talk to them, yeah. you're not going to get much out of them if they have a match, even if they just no. came off the court. I mean, it's the whole complexity of how they cool down, how they get in the zone before when they're warming up. Um, it's, it's a completely different approach to the game, I feel like. I want to, you know, get into a topic about something, you know, we, we talked about as well in, in a lot of our things um, within the company, but you talk about the why. Mm. Um, First off, why is finding your why so important? I know that's probably a confusing thing to say. Um, and then why is this so important for young athletes yeah. Yeah. in any sport yeah. to figure out yeah. um, before they start gunning for goals and, yeah. and, and putting in their systems to become someone? Okay, so the why is everything because to have longevity in anything you do, your why has to be so strong because it's ne every day is not going to be a great day. So if you just go off the days you feel are good, you wouldn't actually achieve anything at a high level. So, you know, before you start anything, like before we start the company, we had to know exactly what our end goal was. And, you know, we discussed that and it's basically to get to a point where we could impact on a global scale and less people that have, that don't have as much opportunity as us. So our, the first thing for us to take off and say, no, we want to dedicate our lives to this was understanding why we're doing this and our motivation from a grand picture uh, for us to get up and put, I mean, we go 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. to yeah. put those types of hours and that effort and intensity into our daily schedule with the company. It's the same with anything else and it's most definitely the same with performance. If you don't have an obsession, you don't have a strong enough reason uh, you're not going to be able to last in the sport. And I think, I think what's so important is having the right why. Yeah. Because, you know, you can trick yourself and you can say, oh, I'm in it just so I can get this money or this, yeah. you know, something that isn't actually going to satisfy mm. you in the long term. And that's, that's so important to find a why that is true to yourself, you know, not something that's artificial or something that that's not going to really satisfy those cravings yeah. for when you do have to wake up at 5am every day. Yeah. Like, do I really care about the extra dollar yeah. or do I care about something that's actually going to make a difference yeah. to the world or, 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 you know, to people that I care about? Um, well, just to go off that a little bit, it's so true because 
sometimes I find myself saying, I don't care about the extra dollar here because when I'm dead, that extra dollar is not going to mean anything. Uh, it's not going to mean anything at all to me. I would rather spend some time dedicating to a child that maybe needs some help than going and chasing out that extra hundred dollars or two hundred dollars that in the end when I'm dead, it's not going to mean anything. 100%. But it's generational impact that you're really searching for that's going to have a strong enough meaning. And you know, there's a great book, it's called Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl who was stuck in the internment camps, uh, you know, back in Auschwitz. And he talks about the only way I got out of that situation was I had, I, I, I had to have the strongest purpose or meaning for life. Um, and that's, a, that, I mean, that's obviously the, the name of the title, Man's yeah. Search for Meaning, um, because that's the only thing that helped him survive that whole, basically, situation. Uh, I, could, I, I personally couldn't believe, uh, couldn't imagine being in, in a situation like that. And mm -hmm. Uh, probably definitely gives you a better outlook on why you start doing the things after you get put in such a difficult yeah. situation like that. Yeah. For sure. Um, switching to something of a different topic here. And we've talked about this a lot. And mm -hmm. I think this is something we have a very interesting conversation about every time it gets brought up. Yeah. But sometimes you see a lot of uh, um, situations where parents don't know how much they should be involved in their mm -hmm. kids careers athletically yeah and sometimes it just hits i mean you'll have a parent that can just coach their kid or be completely involved and the kid's just unbelievably successful right like you know what i mean and then sometimes it's to the detriment where yeah. the kid's really struggling and it's impacting you know confidence um how they conduct themselves, how they view themselves mm -hmm. self-esteem wise. Mm -hmm. How involved should parents be for young athletes? Is it the same across uh, um, every kid? Is it different? Like, what do you think? Because I feel like that's something that's really, you know, an important subject in, yeah. in, in the, the field of sports. Um, well, and of course, this is going to be an opinion. This is going to be my opinion. But I really think that parents need to take on the supportive role. Um, and here's why. Uh, you've seen situations, for example, Mike Agassi and Agassi where, you know, Mike pushed him really hard and was on top of uh, his son. Um, and then he sent him off to Boletaries. However, for as hard as Mike pushed Agassi, um, it did have a negative impact on his outlook of the sport, you know, when he had his fall off. But it also had an impact um, with with the relationship as a whole. I mean, if you go to the dinner table and you're like, and you're a child and your parents are so involved and you're just scared to bring up yeah. anything because you know any second you're about to be basically attacked for your tennis abilities, it's, it really puts a wall up, number one. Number two, in a sport like, in sport in general, in anything in general, the, mo you, the player or the athlete or the one with the ambition or the hopeful ambition needs to be able to find inner motivation to push them when no one's looking, when no one's got their back. And tennis goes even more so than that because you don't have a coach on the court telling you and pushing you to give maximum effort. And, the, and, the, and you see it all the time. The second they get old enough to be on their own and not be dependent on their parents, they're like lost and the motivation's gone and whatnot. So the truth is you want to find out early if this is your child's passion. And the way to find that is to kind of slowly let them fly more and more and more. And then you see 
do they actually want to do this on your own? Because there will be anomalies or exceptions like an Agassiz, but most of the time, if a kid needs to be pushed by their parents, career's done. Yeah. That's that's just the common. It's not it's it and it's a very zero point zero one percent exception when it's not. That's the thing. I feel like if you control things in life, let alone your own kids, yeah. um, I feel like it's very difficult to try and force a direction and force anything in life. I feel like you yeah. gotta kind of push it into a place yeah. and then see if it has the momentum to actually yeah. turn into something. And I, I, that's my opinion as well, mm -hmm. where it's like, do you really want the kid to yeah. be um, hating his life at home or you know, mm -hmm. not actually enjoying the sport as much because now it's, because the thing is, you know, I feel like it is actually very positive because you don't actually have a coach on court, but now you have a coach off court. So if yeah. you have the right person, okay, you've got not just the two to six, seven academy, you've got mm -hmm. when you wake up and when you go to bed, right? coaching, hopefully the right kind for what you want to be in life. Yeah. But at the same time, if it's not the, the right way and the right structure and, and, and the right approach from the parent, the mm -hmm. coach, obviously, then um, it can hurt them so much. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two alleyways now that I'm thinking about it on this is like, if you, if you have the, you know, if you're, if you're lucky enough to have the finances in this situation, what, what a parent should really do is find the most competent and trusted coach or staff that they possibly can. So they've proofed it. And then you let the kid fly with that coach or staff. And, and, and I mean, this is why admissionally we try to minimize dealing with parents is because their impact and their over-involvement sometimes gets in the way and, 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 and help and doesn't let us allow us to, or our coaches to flow within that and be the best versions of themselves because they're hesitant on the parents trying to get involved every second. You know, everybody's got a different system, yeah. but you, but you hire specialists who have years of experience in this field to flow. And I feel like sense. this is going to segue so well, but talk about how the importance of having a better overall support system yeah. and not just having one coach, one this, one that. How important is that to to a young junior trying to develop his game and, and figure out you know, what do I need? Yeah. How do I get these resources? Yeah. How do I figure out how to become the best person and, and really maximize their full potential for their career? Yeah, well, the first thing that kind of comes to my mind in that question is being willing to expose your children to multiple ideas, perspectives, personalities, and skill sets. You can't hold and restrict one kid to one mindset because that's all they ever grow up knowing. The best thing to do is say here, try a little bit of this, try a little bit of that, try a little bit of this, try a, bit, a little bit of that. What do you like best? Yeah. Okay, let's roll with that. Um, and then what else you realize is that one guy is, is gonna have strengths and weaknesses, but they're not gonna be dominant in every single field of knowledge. It's just impossible. It's, 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 it's really tough really to tough. ever find that. Yeah. And so, why not build a team approach if you have the luxury because it definitely is a benefit and you take the best of you, the best of me, the best of him, the best of him and, and we leave out the weaknesses. This is your area. This is your area. This is your area. You give them all, you know, uh, ownership, piece of slice, right? piece of, piece of slice to direct and own and then they build, put their full passion into this one product. I mean, yeah. how much better is it when you have so many different people 
caring and putting in their time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. different perspectives, yeah. Yeah. different experiences, different strengths. Right, hundred percent. You put that all into into one person. Right. And also, it's almost more effective because if you got a coach looking at you every second of the day, how how quality can you really be? Oh yeah. The ninth hour. I believe that. I mean, you get three, four people, even if they're well, no, and it gets stale. If you get a three, four unbelievable coaches from a consulting perspective, they don't have to put in as much time because you've got more of them, Mm. and their quality is going to be better. Yeah. Because they're focusing on you less. Yeah. And I feel like some people just don't understand because they they love this one on one and will build so much chemistry, but they don't see. Well, a lot of it also is uh, insecurity. And that's, it, that's a lot of the reason, especially when you see it in tennis. You know, they want to hold and they want to only share their perspective. It's a lot of it is insecurity, to be honest. Yeah. Because what happens if that kid goes to see that, that coach and he likes him more than me? Yeah. And that's the truth. But the truth is, if, yeah. the truth is, if yeah. he goes to that coach there and that coach has more to offer him, isn't he who's best for this player? Yeah. And that takes a lot of security and a lot of freedom and a lot of care for the player to say, it's like, it's like if you love someone, you set them free and you see if they come back, it's the exact same thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's the tough conversation, yeah. but because of course, there's these the, a lot of coaches, that's their livelihood, so you can't really lose a lot of players, but... But that's why we don't take that approach at Mission Elite, and we're willing to do what's best for the player and leave them uh, to make their own choices, even if that's not us. Yeah, if you find a coach that you like more or yeah. a system that benefits you better and, and yeah. that's not an option, then... I mean, at the end of the day, no, our, jo- our job when we sign an association with you is to do what's best for you. And if that is to not be with us, then that is to not be with us. And that's not personal. It's we just you, work you have one on. life and yeah. you have one career. You, you want to spend it right. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% believe in that. Um, I'll get to my side first about this, the, sure. the next kind of topic that I want to talk about, but um, I'll let you go first. Uh, so many competitions we've played so many matches throughout you know our careers mm-hmm. so many battles is there a phrase or keyword that stuck consistently in your head while you played matches throughout tournaments hmm. that was kind of like a, a comforting saying or feeling that got you through the worst and like you know how it is yeah. when you're battling a, a, a third set mm-hmm. six all in the third mm-hmm. like and you're just like oh this is just such a, a, a battle pressure-wise and yeah. all this stuff. Is there a phrase or a keyword that you're like, I'm not even thinking of anything external because I've got this one thing in my head. Yeah. Um, is, there, is there a phrase there for you? Um, I think it changed throughout my career. Um, as a junior where I didn't have very many weapons, it was be willing to die more than your opponent. And that was what I would tell myself in match. You got to be willing to suffer more, suffer yeah. more, suffer more. Um, and as I kind of advanced, build some skill sets, started to play more on the pro tour and advance on there, it became, I had confidence in my game and I knew how competitive I was, how badly I wanted to win. I thought that was a strength. I, I, yeah. I think I knew I wanted to win more than my opponents. Um, I really, I really did. It was everything. Um, and so what I would have to tell myself is, you know, like it, I used to, I remember telling myself handling pressure situations is you almost have to pretend it's your second life. So you have to come to terms with losing before the match has even started. That yeah. way you can play free. 
And that was huge for me. That's so big. Yeah. It's That's like, actually really interesting. Yeah, to be going into the match, how would I play this match if I already had lost it. And that's how I wanted to play that match. And I would think about that. Because the then you would just let go. Well, yeah. Pretty it's much. your second right? life. You, and you you're, can just you're play You're not free. worrying about it because, yeah, you, yeah, you've already put yourself in a, in a, in a different perspective emotionally, yeah. mentally. It's your second life, yeah. For me, it was, uh, uh, I would just say this point because, and I would almost repeat it every second that my mind would wander because yeah. then I would be just locked into this return, this next shot, this shot right here. This point, this point, I repeat what the score is in my head so that I don't even have time to think about yeah. what the score is, yeah. who's watching me, uh, um, how am I playing or, or any of that stuff. I'm really so in the zone almost right. because a lot of these top uh, uh, players, that is a really big thing. How do you find flow? How do you stay in the zone? For me, it was tough sometimes because... There's just so many things you're thinking about while you're on court. Right. Um, so for me, that was that was a huge one. Right. Um, next next thing I want to uh, that I'd ask you is um, how did you set your goals and, and because I'm assuming you know every every year or every start to when you played at University of Indiana you you would have specific things in mind for what you want to accomplish. Yeah. I'm assuming written down. Um, every player should obviously yeah, yeah um but how did you go about that and then and then even more importantly how should athletes young athletes be setting their goals and how mm. do you how do you think that uh, uh plays together that's a great question um you know i always used to set my goals and like you said and i would always fall a little bit short of my goal which which is something really interesting i found and it wasn't until I went on the pro tour, my old coach, Jeremy Wurtzman, who was number one in the NCAA, we had a sit down and he kind of said something that blew my mind. It was like, yeah, you know, these guys, they always shoot for the, shoot for the, you know, stars and fall at the moon or whatever it was. And I said, oh my God, that's so true. It's like, if you want to be an all American, you'll probably end up being all big 10. You want to be all big 10, you'll probably end up being nationally ranked. You want to be nationally ranked, you probably end up at a division one school. Wow. It's like. You know, so what I went into pros is I started to think kind of bigger goals than I would. I'm trying to push yourself past what you're comfortable at in goal setting yeah. um, so that when you do fall a little bit short of it, because you most likely will, you have some margin of error and you actually end up achieving the goal you didn't think you was, was possible. Yeah. You got to set your goals to a standard you don't even believe yeah. so that you allow yourself to, to push through a and level. I feel like you got to really in. trick yourself almost to believe that even something that normally would be outrageous for yeah. someone is possible for you because well, well yeah i feel like now you're adjusting your behavior based on your goal mm -hmm. right um yeah. if you want something I, I, small then i would say instead of trick you've got to spend a lot of inner reflection trying to manifest it in your mind first like visualize it first so that you could say okay like i know it sounds crazy on the surface but you spend time with yourself trying to see what you would look like in that life. So it's like why we hired yeah. the visualization coach. Yeah. We want you to really get more comfortable seeing a version of you that you're just difficult to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, but it's, but it's a version of you that you might not even be able to imagine until you spend conscious time pushing and, and, the limit. And, and what do you think about a player that doesn't even do that in their day? I mean, remember when we talked about, you know, what's separating these elite yeah. from the great earlier? Yeah. Um, um, no. Some of these kids aren't even visualizing themselves right. becoming that person. If you can't even 
say something without laughing at it being a possibility, how is it ever going to really happen? Oh, 100%. You know and, um, I mean? you know, Jeff Bezos, I was listening to a podcast from him yesterday. He talks about two parts, but one of the parts he talks about is innovation. And he goes, I get a little nervous with guys that are too realistic because when you're reasonable or you're realistic, it's hard for you to ever imagine things that are out of the current sphere. So you can't create possibility. You've got to be a little bit out of your mind. You've got to be innovative and you cannot be too reasonable when you're trying to be an elite high achiever because you have to literally create something out of nothing. And I think that's the same for when we're built as we're building this company. We don't want people um, associated with yeah. it player wise or, or, or yeah. employee wise that doesn't think that they can't do something above yeah. and beyond yeah. what what um, what is the norm. Right. So yeah, I I fully think that's yeah. the most one of the most important things to have as a as a human being as a as character right in general. Um, another thing though that I would say about that is, and then this is my in my opinion um, more important than just setting your goals. Okay, you set your goals, Impl- uh, a plan and implement the system. That's going to actually get you closer to that goal. Yeah. I mean, you can't just uh, um, unconsciously go through go through life mm. expecting, you know, okay, I did this. I didn't even track how much I played today, uh, uh, what I did on the side, what I'm doing every 30 minutes yeah. a day, and then expect to yeah. be top 100 in the world. Like, you have to have a, a, a whole system. No matter what you're doing in life, I feel like it's almost crazy to think you're going to achieve something without having an unbelievable um, um, system in place every single day, super rigorous for it to actually amount to something. Yeah. So like, let's say your goal is to be top 100 ATP. What you should do is you should think, okay, so my goal is to be top 100 ATP. Then you should, first step should be to go and research players that are in the top 100 ATP and how they live their life and how they lived their life. That's the first step. The second step is to kind of put into surface and and maybe even write it down what would i have to do to be a top 100 player so what if i was top 100 right now what do i look like what do i feel like what did what did my previous build-up years to this point look like so actually visualize yourself at the goal you've all you've set out having already happened and then think what did i have to do to get here what do i now act like as that goal um and then three is whatever that is, do a little more because we've got to create margin for it. Yeah, how are you supposed to be better than someone if you're doing the same? Right, thing? exactly. So. If, if UNC is ranked four in the NCAA and Indiana's ranked nine and we both do the same thing, you never catch them. You never catch them because they're already better than right. you, 100%. Um, and maybe a little segue into that. How, how important is, is it to um, surround yourself with the people that you know, you're trying to become? And, and then you can actually figure yeah. out how much they're doing and then figure out how to do more, right? You got you to gotta really want yourself to, to be in those environments, you know? 100%. Well, you know, first and foremost, um, well, it's everything, but you have to be lucky to have that opportunity. Yeah. Like if I'm top five in the world, I don't want to spend my time with a guy that's not ATP top thousand. Yeah. Like no way. Like you have to get lucky. And you have to do whatever it takes within your power to get to be around those types of studs because 100%. they want to push. Like, I want to put myself around 
hire people. Yeah. Everybody wants to, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, you know, it's funny because it's a two-part question. It's like... It's earned, not given. Yeah, you have to earn your right to be around them. Um, and number two, uh, but if you get the opportunity and you create an, a good enough solution to get around them, well, then um, it's going to make a huge difference. And, and there was a study done uh, because, uh, you know, there was a study done where they put five top 800 players around two top 200. It was actually flipped five 200s around uh, uh, two 800s. And by the end of eight months, the 800s turned into 200s so, or yeah. 300s. So it was like, you know, yeah. it comes, comes to shell. It's what's going to happen. Um, well, I think that's enough for today for our first yeah. episode. That's great. Thanks so much for everyone who's watching. Um, put in the comments below what's your favorite part of this podcast. You can put us and give us the timestamp. Um, follow us at Missionally Performance. We're so excited to keep this going, and we're so excited to have you guys watching. Real, it's been real. Peace.